0: feel like I did that so much better this this week Tyler I feel, I no, feel actually good
1: it was smooth there was, the sound was it was one sound one one track playing uh um, perfect. It was perfect. and I didn't
0: have to like switch on and off and see if I knew what I was doing because like I listened back to last week's so I was like oh crap that was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> um but slowly but surely we're out here doing our thing. Uh welcome to Roads to Blake Street banter, where one of us knows what the word banter means and the other two are just along for the ride. I hope you caught on to that. We are three deep today. Tyler, say what's up. Hey, what is up? And in my own words, not Luke's, we are joined by Twitter legend, <laughs> oak tree status, Luke. Um, what up, big dog? Hey, how's it going? I think the bar for
2: legend in Rocky's Twitter is is low. It's low. It's a low bar, but thank you.
0: Yeah. I mean, <laughs> if if you were competing in that Christmas time Rocky's Twitter tournament a few times, and you're making songs out on the range, um, that was my first experience with you. I was like, okay, okay, this guy, this guy's a fun time. I get it. And that was really my first time, like in Rocky's twitter um even with this blake street banter stuff and that was that was fun and i was like all right he gets it he's funny all right it's gonna be fun so rocky's legend like you said loosely used um but it's fun it's fun out here and thank you for joining us i'm super stoked to have you because you are kind of you're a you're a you're a guru in your own way right you like to look at stats you kind of you have your own measures
2: (laughs) Like about, right? Um, you just uh, regurgitate your opinions out into the open forum. Everybody needs to hear what I think. So yes. um, yeah, that's, that's uh, um, in fact, my brother, every now and then, if you, if you ever have interacted with him on Twitter, he kind of gives me a hard time. Um, he does the Mariners thing. Uh, the Trident deck is my brother, if, if you're oh. familiar with that, okay. And uh, Shane's always telling me, he's like, man, he's like, 50% of your tweets are just numbers. He's like they just. I just have to mute you because of all the numbers. You're just throwing numbers
0: out <laughs> there. That's okay. how you. That's how you know you're you're a stat head. You're you're good. That's right.
1: Yeah. Like I he, just don't think he likes that the numbers support a a trade of Herman Marquez for Julio Rodriguez. That's right.
2: The numbers support it. He doesn't like it. You know. Absolutely. That's what it is. That's what it is. Julio's not been as good this year. They should have pulled the trigger on that two years ago when I told them to. Right.
1: I don't think,
0: I don't think the trade could go through anymore. I, the Rockies. Hang <laughs> yeah, that's I, right. Yeah. So th- that's still on the table. It's still trade season. So we'll, we'll keep crossing <laughs> our fingers for that. Um, but you, one of your things that you're doing this year is your breakout bus, dark horse prospect uh, for each team, which is insane work. Um, it's fun to read. It's fun to keep up with. Um, I'm sure you enjoy it on your end. Like, yo, I can go look and see what we're here, but who are your, your four guys in those four categories for the Rockies? And how do you feel on a confident scale for each one of those?
2: Yeah. Well, (laughs) (laughs) um, yeah, you know, I did that kind of for my own benefit um, as, you know, just sort of a, a a baseball nerd so that I could kind of re-reference that and, and see the guys I felt good about going into the year. And, and it's easy to sort of play the game in hindsight and say, oh, yeah, I knew that guy was going to be good, or I knew that guy was going to be a bust. But at any, at any rate, you know, my pick for the breakout for the Rockies was uh Laris Montero. How confident am I in that now on a scale of one to ten? A two. Um, <laughs> and and uh, as we have talked about extensively, you guys have talked about it on here, and we've talked about it all over Twitter. The problem there is playing time, I think, more than anything else. Um, so Montero is my breakout. My bust pick was Mustakis. I, I actually said that I picked him to be DFA'd by June. Um, so, you know, traded to the Angels for a, you know, a five-year minor leaguer in June. Eh, I'm, I don't know. I get partial credit, maybe. Um, but my bust That's was right. Mustakis. My dark horse was Trejo thinking uh, with Rodgers out, maybe he'd have a chance to entrench himself. That hasn't worked out. But my favorite prospect is Adel Amador, and I would say i um, feeling good about that. Um, I've seen him shoot up the charts uh, on the rankings, and uh, yeah, he's a guy I'm excited about. Obviously, he's a guy a lot of people are excited about, but I've, I've kind of been excited about Amador uh, for a while now.
0: Yeah, you're big on the on-base and the strikeouts and the walks and stuff. Not really on-base, but like the walks being up and high and strikeouts being low. And Amador fits that. Uh, you were big on Juan Brito uh, a lot too. And kind of like an old traditional ball, ball to bat skills, but he's got some pop with it. Amador is now your new Rockies num- number one top 30 prospect, mm-hmm. according to uh which is good and bad. I, d- I never know how to take those. I mean, the rankings, uh, they, they, are, they go up and down all the time. But, I mean, that's segue into it, right? Zach Veen officially out for the season. Uh, we had a whole thing to talk about it, so we'll give a little be, small little bit about our Veen conversation. Um, but we just learned that he had wrist surgery. He battled that in early April, uh, mid April. Came back after a few weeks. Absolutely tore the cover off the ball for about two weeks, and then kind of settled back down into what we've been seeing. His like six fifty seven hundred OBP, uh, just kind of just kind of making its way through. No power, no pop, really since that. And then we come to find out he has in, wrist, wrist surgery. Is posted on his IG. Nothing from the Rockies, which is a whole other conversation. Um, but let's take the injury out of it. Let's go back to a week ago when we were all talking about yo. Let's do a vein segment because Tyler, you and I were talking about that last week on the pod. Yo, let next week let's do a vein segment. See what we're doing. What we're worried about. Um, you two just being smart dudes and smart smart guys. Like if that was a healthy Zach Vein. It's like five hundred played appearances um so far in double A. How would we be feeling that? Tyler, you can start it off with us. Like, how would we be feeling about the future of the Rockies corner outfield with Zach Bean, knowing like what we knew a week ago?
1: I think we'd be feeling some some Jordan Beck and some Yankeel Fernandez. Uh it's sort of where things turned. Like for two years since since he was drafted in 2020, it was like that's going to be the face of the franchise. Like it was kind of <laughs> written in the stars already, and yeah, it was a rough. It was a five sixty four OPS and three forty two plate appearances in Double A. I, you know, I know Luke has tweeted about it a lot. You have a a, a big sample there to look at that is pretty scary. But yeah. fortunately, you know, we don't know exactly the history of that injury. It sounds like it it was sort of a factor in the fall last year. Um, but obviously, he killed the fall league, so I'm not not entirely clear on that timeline and, and the effects of that. But
0: double A was you know giving him some fits to,
1: to say the least,
0: right? And you kind of expect those fits to be there at the end of last year, just being 20 years old, moving up to double A late season. Um, that, that was expected, and then he has that breakout all star Arizona fall league 88 89 OPS. Only eight strikeouts, 15 walks, uh, was just absolutely insane. Um, I think he won like a defensive thing and a, or a hitter thing. For the Arizona Fall League, we should do a little bit better on that. Like he was there. He was good. And then we got so so excited. Talks of him being a Rocky at the end of the season were high amongst people, experts, Rockies experts, Rockies uh, talking heads. And then he came out kind of doing the same thing. I like what point, Luke, how many plate appearances – like a s- true sample size at a level, do you kind of like start taking, all right, this is who he is. This is who he's going to be. Like, what are your kind of your thought yeah. sort of process on that?
2: Yeah, I actually, I, I keep my own personal spreadsheet um, and, and, I, and I track three things and uh, you've, you've kind of nailed them. I track the walk rate. I want to see how often they're walking. I, I track their K rate. I want to see how often they're striking out. And I track their isolated power. I like it better than slugging because it doesn't take batting average into play. It kind of shows me a guy's pop and you don't have to be good at all three of those, but in some sort of ratio, you know, if that K rates up, then we need to see more power. Like we do, for example, with Nolan Jones, um, who right now is killing it and making all my um, predictions on him look Absolutely bad. Love it. Yep. Um, Veen is a guy who the K rate is kind of as high as I wanted to see it coming into trips to into double A, excuse me. Um, I didn't want to see it rise a whole lot, especially because kind of the calling card on Bean coming into the draft was sort of precocious power, right? Early power, and we—it was—it was okay. The power was okay. It wasn't great. So all that said, um, man, I was pretty close to mashing that panic button on him. Um, mm-hmm. It was not good. If what we've seen on Bean in Double A is is Bean, it's bad. And I mean, I think sometimes where we don't appreciate some of those numbers, um, I think we're talking. Uh, you know, Tyler, you just said, "What did you say?" A five something OPS, five eighty four, five sixty. I mean, that's Herman Marquez at the plate back, <laughs> or good if you're a pitcher. Um, it's bad, bad, and 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 I don't think. I mean, if if it had been like a seven hundred OPS or even like a six ninety, we'd say like, Man, "That's not good. It needs some." But, man, we're talking in the in the, the mid-500s. It's bad, bad. Um, the one thing we did see, and now it kind of makes sense, is the speed numbers, right? I mean, stolen base is like crazy. Uh, that was true in the spring. It was true in Arizona. Uh, all of a sudden, this guy who we had talked about as uh, a power guy coming out of the draft, now all of a sudden, man, wow, this guy could be a 40 stolen base threat. Well, now it makes sense, right? I mean, if you're – If your power tool is damaged, um, you exploit what you got, which is his legs, you know? So, yeah, I mean, for me, the 200 plate appearance is kind of my line where I start to say, man, this is a big enough sample size to say something's going on here.
0: Um, It's not a fluke anymore, and uh, it doesn't look good. Yeah, like if you look back at his numbers over these last 28 days, like seven days, prior on baseball references and showing up. Um, it's 180 batting average, 268 OBP, 200 slugging. So like, I wonder if he finally hit the threshold of pain tolerance and like, I can't do this anymore. Cause he had what nine hits out of 50, 50 at bats and just one double in that time. It's just, you have all of that going to it and you're, you get start getting worried at a certain level and you're Zach V, man. Like you're the number one, you're the first-round pick, number nine overall. You are number one prospect for the Rockies. You have all of these things coming in to you as a 20-year-old that you've never been able to process before. And like, yo, you're the next thing. And you have a chance of being a big league guy this year. Go do you. All right, I'm going to go do me. But then at what point, like, it takes – it's hard. Like, I'm i on the wrong side of 30 trying to figure out when, what my threshold of pain tolerance and athletic ability and any kind of other tolerance out there. And I'm like, you know, I keep going, I keep going, I keep getting this. That's without all the pressure. Like my wife doesn't care if I'm good at pickleball or not, Like, (laughs) but I'm still going out there. I'm trying to be good at it, let alone an entire franchise, entire community coming in on you, like with all that pressure on it. And so that kind of leads into the next piece. Like, are we mad at Zach Veen for hiding this? I mean, I think this is just being an athlete. Like, we saw it with Noah Davis. He kind of hid his his injury in his third start before he went on the IL. Um, doesn't quite seem back to form and all of that. But, like, they, these players, we hear it all the time. They're fighting through injury to try to get to that next level. At what point do we get mad at them for, like, yo, like, it's okay to take a step back? Or, like, I really appreciate him trying to go out there and do that thing. Like, what's our level on that?
2: Yeah, can I jump in?
0: Yeah. Um- let me be. This is a rare thing, your bad
2: experience. I'm going to be uh, super optimistic. Okay. okay? <laughs> that is um, uh, yeah, see, I know. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, normally, a lot of the stuff I say, I, I, it feels pessimistic. I like to say realistic. I, you know, I just, I, I like, I'm regurgitating stats. Um, here's my optimism on Veen his strikeout rate is lower this year than it has ever been so far as a minor leaguer. His walk rate, is borderline elite this year. Yep. His numbers are bad because his power is bad. I mean, period. That's what's wrong. There's no juice at all. His isolated slugging is, is underneath 100. It's, I think it's a 099 or something like that this year. It was even worse in AA last year. Um, my threshold is, is, is a 180 is kind of what I'm looking for, is at least somewhere around there. Um, and especially for a guy who, again, like one of the things coming in is that we were excited about power potential. And it's just not been there so here's my super optimistic take i'm wondering if this injury in the in the long term actually makes being a better hitter i think in the short term what that's done to him is is it's made him be more selective if you know you can't you know pull those pitches with some power and authority that you used to be able to you wait for a pitch that you're feeling more comfortable hitting and so um, super optimistically, I'm hoping that this actually maybe uh, in the long term makes being a more complete hitter. His his selectivity at the plate, I think, has improved this year, I think by necessity, because he couldn't hit with authority. Some of those pitches that maybe weren't great hitters pitches before, if that makes any sense. So, um, yeah, I mean, in, in, in such a weird way, I know it's so weird to say, but I was seeing that picture on Instagram of Vane's injury and I was saying, hallelujah, I'm so glad to see He's hurt. And as far as playing through an injury, I mean, nah, if, if anybody's responsible for that, that's the training staff. Right. I mean, that's where you hope that a, a training staff would pull a kid aside and say, man, something's obviously off. The nature of the injury, as I've heard it described, though, is it sounds like, again, super optimistic. Maybe this has been something that's been in the works even before he realized it. I mean, I think Thomas Harding called it a fraying. Um, it sounds and, and, and furthermore, I'll even say this. I'm wondering if what we saw in Arizona and if what we saw for that two week window was a product of, uh, giving a rest, you know, I mean, both of those times he had an extensive layoff either because the, the double A season had ended before the Arizona fall league. And with that rest, I think he was probably feeling better coming into it. We saw him hitting better. It's the day to day. That's been wearing him out. And, uh, um, that's I think ultimately why he needed that surgery. But, um, Again, I think there's some reasons to say optimistically maybe we haven't seen healthy being for a year – like truly healthy being for a year and a half.
0: Yeah, yeah I, liked, we, I, I like those hikes. We've seen so many clips. And, I mean, even early in his, his
1: minor league career, he was kind of figuring out the ropes. But he's still hitting double-digit home runs those first two years. And we saw, like, a lot of clips of insane power where he, he has this perfectly loopy swing. That elevates the ball. He's probably you know hitting some at one ten. Like we know, the potential is there for him to be a big time power threat. And so, like you're saying, Luke, there's there's a chance he became a polished hitter with this. And the, you've seen some 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 sources like Fangraphs. They toss a 45 hit tool on him. I think they have to you know upgrade upgrade uh, update their tools because he looks like almost a power over over or a hit over power guy right now. Uh, he's at least a 50 hitter at this point and and we know the power is there so if he is able to put this all together I, yeah there there's a huge silver lining to be had with with him missing you know up to up to like six eight months
0: yeah and I I really like that idea that it long term it helps uh I mean like Thomas Hardy kind of what you're saying here um oh he's gone hopefully he comes back uh Thomas Hardy said he had 12 home runs through July twelfth with Spokane Indians. Since that moment, he's only had one with Spokane and uh, the Yard Goats. So yeah, and that whole calendar year, it's kind of been around that time. So you can definitely tell that top hand is hurting him. Um, so I think it's good and being able to adjust and be still being a baseball player while getting out there and doing your thing is good. Um, I'm I'm all on board with he's good with the rest so let's rest it see what's happening let's see see what winter ball might possibly bring and see if we can get him out there and get him some more reps with that healthy wrist injury uh, so Zach Veen, uh, just kind of kind of a good injury it explains something is kind of what we need to hear and it kind of kind of calms the nerves a little bit about all right this isn't who he is there's still some more to this guy still some more hope that we can start seeing going forward. So, Zach Fiend, anything else for the good of the costume? No. All right. Best, right, let's wishes. Get
1: Best wishes to him. That's all. right.
0: <laughs> Definitely quick recovery. Um, all right. Tyler, hit us with your hitter of the week across the Rockies minor league. Yeah, so we've got ourselves a a current Rocky.
1: Won't say more than that. Current Rocky Mike Tolia, he was called up uh, he had a nice little little stretch in in Triple with two homers, four walks, two strikeouts in it, and an OPS at a thousand eighty eight. Uh, that led into his call up. Uh, it's good to see him finding some rhythm. That's just not something we've seen from him. I mean, haven't definitely haven't seen it that much this year, even in a super <laughs> hitter friendly environment. We haven't really seen Mike Tolia like mashing since the lower minors. Like it's it's been a bit of a drought since he has really looked good and comfortable so this this could be a nice momentum builder for him uh someone that i don't think he's gonna have his leash cut too short anytime soon he's a first round pick uh you know this organization loves their first round picks so we we kind of need to hope for the best otherwise it's going to be a couple more years of totally struggling with the rockies
0: right Go go all in. Does the moose move? We'll get into that a little later. Does the moose move? Moose move. Open up time for Tolia, or do we see more Matero? How does this whole thing play out, especially with the guys coming back from injuries, all that kind of stuff? But he is he's hot right now. I love that. Good pick. I'm gonna go with Jordan Beck. Nine RBIs up in Spokane. One double, two home runs. Yankee Al Fernandez left, but Jordan Beck said, "Yo, we still got some power out here up in." at um, Vista Stadium. So one double two home runs I Cool thing. Six walks to those seven strikeouts. And he's still fast, y'all. Two stolen bases. There's. It's only got to be a matter of time before he gets called up, and I feel like I've been saying that for the last six weeks. But only a matter of time before Hartford gets another outfielder to join Yankee L and Vladimir Restituto. Um, Even though Neko Decolati has been kind of on fire up in Hartford this year. Luke, who's your hitter?
2: Yeah, I want to go with uh, Dan Jorge. Um, Jorge was so he, – hes one of these guys when he was signed out of Cuba. In fact, just a little background, I don't, I don't know the last time you guys talked about Jorge. I'm sure you have. Um, signed out of Cuba. He was ready to be signed as a 16-year-old, and then the COVID stuff happened and really kind of delayed his clock. And so for that reason, he's still in the complex league. He's down in Arizona. Um, played in, in the uh, summer league last year. Um, Now in the complex league, I don't know what we're waiting on to get him to Fresno, but this is Jorge's line from last week. Uh, 625 batting average, 750 on base, and a 1.125 slugging, an OPS of 1875. Um, That's ridiculous. That's also complex numbers, And uh, but what I really like to see here, eight walks to three strikeouts. He did hit a homer in that. He also sold three bases. So um, Dion Jorge is, is my hitter of the week, and I'm ready to see him in a minor league uniform.
0: Yeah, I, I'm i not sure when we saw any ACL guys come up last year. I think it might have been when the college guys came in. We started seeing it in August, September. It, there's a few names that should be pushed up quickly, um, and Jorge is definitely one of them. I mean, Alberto Pacheco was called up a few weeks ago. Granted, he's a starter and all that. He's a pitcher. We need the arms, but... We should be able to see that soon. Um, Tyler, who's your – speaking of kind of in that same realm, right? Look at the segue, man. Who's your pitcher of the week? Um,
1: I, I got to go to Gabriel Barbosa because he was just kind of lights out. He, he went five shutout innings with nine strikeouts, just three hits, no walks on, on the day for him. Uh, he's 21 years old hanging out in Fresno. So Fresno has themselves a, a nice little little crop of guys. I almost went to Alberto Pacheco, who you uh mentioned. He also went seven innings. Didn't wasn't they weren't shut out, but he only allowed five base runners, eight Ks. He's 20 years old. So they've got these two guys in Fresno, pretty young for the level. Both are are pitching well. They're not, you know, killing it down there, but this was a a really good week for both of them. So you would hope there's some momentum to be built. Um, these two young, uh, you got Pacheco out of the Dominican Republic, and then Gabriel Barbosa out of Brazil, which is I always love. There's only a few players that really have come out of Brazil in recent years, so it's it's always fun to see that. Hoping those two can be some of those next international uh, pitching prospects. That you know, there's always been a few for the Rockies that that shine through, and with uh, Victor Juarez kind of struggling this year, it, it'd be cool if someone was able to to kind of take. Uh, some some influence in the organization.
0: Yeah, Jordy Vargas adding that that young international talent to that list too. I don't know, Jordy Vargas' line's weird. I don't know enough to comment on it, but he only went 1.2 innings, but only gave up three hits and a walk. So not sure what that was about this week with uh, Jordy. So hopefully he's all right. But there is some young, young international talent. My guy, I almost went another guy. We'll see if Luke mentions him. If not, I'll bring him up. But Duke and Darnell, finally gets to pitch. He hasn't pitched for 11 days before that because Hartford just hadn't had any high leverage situations to bring in Double D. Happy birthday, Big Dog. Um, Today's his his birthday. But two innings pitched, two wins, three strikeouts in that time, one hit, zero runs, zero walks, and just seven batters faced. So he got those outs quickly and efficiently. It's just I can only imagine as a relief pitcher, like your whole every day you never know when you're going to get in, and then you go 11 straight days of not getting in. And then all of a sudden you're in these tie games, like close games, enough to keep the score literally at zeros to have the team come to get some walk-offs. So yeah, there was two walk-offs this year, this past week for Hartford um, and Dugan Darnell was part of both of those. So that's my guy. Shout out Double D. Yeah. Darnell's
2: a guy I looked at. Um, uh, Pacheco. We've talked about Pacheco with the 7 eight 88K performance, uh, man. I love seeing the strikeouts. Um, on the major league level, that's my biggest um, complaint about the the current Rockies staff is they are just not built for strikeouts, and I sure wish they were. So I like seeing those things coming up. Um, Nick Garcia at AA had a great start this week. He uh, went six innings with five strikeouts, uh, two walks, and a hit. So he's my guy, Nick Garcia, uh, in Hartford this week had a nice start. Um, and and the other thing I look, you know, you look for a few walks, so. Um, you know, one-hit, two-walk performance over six innings, um, that's strong. I also want to throw one out there, though, if This kind of wild. Um, Felix Ramirez in Fresno. Yeah. He's a reliever. Ramirez, man. some love every now and then. Felix Ramirez has not allowed an earned run since May 11th, and he's had 22 innings pitched in that frame. Um, he got a, a hold and a save this week, and that's kind of been the going thing for him. Um, good strikeout rate over that same frame, too, so – uh, old for the level, 23 years old, um, but uh, talking about a guy who's who's lanky and lean, six foot four, 170 or so, and uh, um, can throw hard. So he's a guy I'd like to see move up a little bit, and and could be a future middle relief uh, guy.
0: Yeah, love that Felix Ramirez pick. He's he's been lights out all year, and it's again curious. I don't know when the Rockies are making these moves, but there's so many you can pick two or three at least. Five or six on the Spokane Indians that should be getting calls all the way up. Um, so speaking, that I like the Nick Garcia, but Gabriel Hughes went seven, seven innings, seven strikeouts. Yeah. He had some, he had some uh, traffic, eight total runners between hits and walks, but only allowed three of them to score, and that was mostly. most of that damage was done in the first and second inning. After that, he settled in for those last five innings and looked really, really good. And again, he has that Kyle Freeland dog mentality up on the mound is fun to watch if you can watch a gabe hughes start actually get in there he's he's that guy and he puts everything out there with it so huge shout out to gabe hughes there um just real quick numbers that i put out there just to kind of recap cole tucker future rocky um i don't know if that would hit the immaculate grid on there. former pirate i guess no we did tigers on the immaculate grid didn't you um cole tucker 11 hits only one extra base hit But 300, 350 uh, batting average has been playing second and center. He might be knocking on that door with Aaron Schunk, who is MIA in the sense he hasn't played in the last three or four games. Um, He could either be fly fishing or he could be kind of handling uh, an injury. Not sure what's going on with Aaron Schunk there, but Cole Tucker might be next on that. Up list. Um, Grant Levine, huge Grant Levine fan, and kind of want to get your thoughts on Luke uh, from you, Luke. Uh, Two doubles, five walks, four strikeouts, and 938 OPS. Dude Man's just quietly just putting a solid season together. He's not hitting crazy home run numbers like Hunter Goodman. His doubles are right up there, uh, double digit doubles, but his walks, Dude Man's walking two or three times a game, it seems like. Uh, Just very selective, fantastic guy. Like if you can watch this guy, taken at bat also like you're surprised why he's not swinging at some of these um but as a first base crop you got hunter goodman michael Tolio laris montero and grant levine Were are you kind of putting levine on your future rocky list luke
2: yeah so for for what i hope uh levine's at the top of the list um i love his game uh you know that's a cliche but walks don't slump this year so far in 277 plate appearances at Double A, 17% walk rate. I mean, that's 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 elite. Um, I, I love a guy who can get on base like that. You know, the problem with Levine, from an organizational standpoint, is the lack of power. And you're talking about a guy who plays a position that uh, you want to see power from at first base. Um, you know, but of those three categories I named before, you got walk rate, strikeout rate. His walk rate's elite. His strikeout rate is is good. Um, the isolated power's getting better, and he's doing mm-hmm. it in probably the hardest level to hit for power for Colorado, right? I mean, uh, Fresno and Spokane and Albuquerque, uh, a lot of times you see some elevated power numbers at those places. Hartford's tough. Um, the Eastern League is, is one of the tougher places to hit for pop. Um, I'm not worried about it. I would love to see Levine uh, pushed along. I, I think that if he keeps doing what he's doing, you put him in Albuquerque, I think he could put up some ridiculous looking numbers in Albuquerque, where that will inflate that power i like levine on top of that list personally i want to see montero number two tolia i don't have a lot of faith in quite honestly Tolia's strikeout rate to me is prohibitive um it's just going to cause you can't strike out a third of the time in the major leagues and expect to be a productive player and that's there's so few players that have done it and and you're talking about guys like joey gallo who walk just at an obscene rate and also have monster power um, there's just not many guys who can pull that off. Yeah. It's
0: very hard to do that. And I keep going back and forth on how I feel about strikeouts. And I think you kind of put it nicely, just the, the chances go up if you're putting the ball in play. And if you're not putting the ball in play, the law of averages across a full season don't really work itself out. And I was like, all right, that's actually a very smart way to put that. Cause I mean, an out and an out. So like, what does it matter if you're producing in the other ones? But you have more chances to produce if you're putting the ball in the bat. Going back to foundational little league stuff, there.
2: Yeah, and, and you know, I've, I've tweeted this stuff, and I and I know I sound like a, a big naysayer, but just let's just grab Nolan Jones for a minute. Um, Nolan Jones is striking out in, in the third of his major league plate appearances. Um, so far, nobody's cared. Um, the batting average on balls in play is why nobody's cared. It's been around 500 which is absurd. He's his batting average on balls in play right now is 448. Um and again just for context for everybody who wants to say, well maybe he can keep a good batting average on balls in play. Maybe he strikes the ball so hard that you know the average on balls in play is is higher. And I think I think it will be. I think he will be a, a higher BABIP guy because of uh how hard he hits the ball. The problem is you go back to 100 years and the highest career baby in major league history is like a 370 um which yeah. by the way i don't know if you saw this the owner of that high baby for the career right now is Jorge Alfaro of people, <laughs> <laughs> Jorge Alfaro had a 371 babeat for his career uh, which is wild so all that to say there's there's no way you can maintain this so once that batting average on balls in play i mean right now nolan jones is hitting 316 Thanks to that high average on balls in play. If once that regulates, and it will to some degree, I don't know what's the, what level, but I think it's safe to say probably lower than the all-time best. Um, when that happens, you're you're talking about a guy who's batting average is probably going to be in the two forties, and and you know that's doable, it's workable if he keeps on walking and if he keeps on mashing, uh, if the contact. It, that he
0: makes. Contact that he makes. Yep. All right. Uh, Get yourself situated. But like, yeah, the BABIP thing is huge and being able to hit it hard is good. But doing that across 162, looking at 100 gains for Nolan... It's going to be very difficult to do. And being able to do that constantly, it's just, it's not done. It's not, it hasn't been done. So to think otherwise, especially for Colorado Rocky, to do that with the Hank Coors hangover, this and that, is going to be incredibly difficult doing it. Um, how are you feeling about Drew Romo, Tyler? So we've seen this nice two or three weeks skid that he's had. Hot, hot streak going on, not skid. Um, he can only play three games this week, 10 at-bats, uh, two hits. But his OPS has been going up. How are we how are we kind of feeling? I know we keep talking about him each week, but I think he's somebody we need to talk about as the future of the Colorado Rockies.
1: Yeah, I mean he's just finding his footing. Like he was actually without footing for the first like two months of the season. Almost it was just a lot of ulfers, and if he if he was getting hits, it was a lot of singles. Uh, we've now seen him. You know he's got a couple home runs in the in the last uh, two weeks. He's got a few doubles. The things are starting to come around for him. A couple more walks. He, his walk rate had really, really dipped down. But uh, in the last couple of weeks, he's, he started to work a lot more, more walks as well. And and the bar for him offensively is not that high. Like, he needs to OPS. And, and OPS in the minors is going to be a lot different than the majors. Like, if you're OPSing at 700 in the minors, chances are you're going to have a, you know, somewhere below that in the 600s and, and the majors. If he can OPS 700 in the majors, which he has a he has a bit of a ways to to climb with that. But if his OPS is 700 in the majors, there's a chance for a really solid catcher still, like mm-hmm. a great defensive player, uh, and 700 OPS for a catcher is not bad. Uh, you know there are, you can find plenty of defense defensive minded guys who their OPS is in the the high fives to to the mid six hundreds. So if he can if he can hit high six hundreds. Uh, and then and into those low 700s, he's going to be a really solid player. And so he struggled a lot this year. Uh, again, things are starting to come around. There doesn't need to be a ton more progress for him to be back on at least stable ground. Yeah. Still figuring that out. But I, I think that we do need to keep expectations in check. He's never really he, – he has one – Above average season in the minors so far, of course, he's only played three, but last season overall numbers below average and just clipped above that in 2021. So if we can get him close to average offensively, he's going to be a fantastic player. And I'm someone who's been a little hard on him and expectations, I think, have to come back to reality just a little bit with Drew Romo
0: expectations are so hard. Like you hear top prospect, future Colorado Rocky catcher of the future. And like, you put all this pressure on these kids to do that. And it's like, but he's just going to be, he's just a normal guy right now. There's very few dudes that are Ellie Dilly Cruz. And we'll see how long this, this fire that he's been putting out there lasts. Like he's going to come down, he's going to regress. Like he's going to have his, his woes, but the pressure on these, like this expectations always need to be kept in reality, which is, very hard to do especially as people that love prospects and then you you see the product that is the colorado rockies on the on the big league team you want these expectations to be high and have these expectations to be met but yo know, it's hard it, you got to keep it in check you got to keep yourself in check thinking about these players being players and dudes um quick quick i found this really cool so riley pint pitched six innings he had seven strikeouts I'm sorry, Riley Pine had two innings pitched. He had seven strikeouts. <laughs> That's a very Riley Pine stat. Right? Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> Six <laughs> earned runs in that, um, which is rough. But the seven strikeouts in two innings is cool. Um, that was sweet. Evan Justice did not walk anybody this week, uh, which is huge. 3.1 in his pitch, only five strikeouts. Something that he's been struggling since his call-up has been that walk rate. Stephen Jones continues to um, – actually, he had a rough week this week. He had – he had a bad outing the other night. Joe Rock did pretty well in his five innings um, coming back. He's now on the developmental list, which I thought was interesting. Him and Case Williams. Um, i get getting that to a little bit later. Blake Adams, zero earned runs, six hits, seven strikeouts. Colton Schmidt. He's a name that we might need to talk about next week, Tyler. Uh, coming back from Tommy John, had two story, uh, two starts has been good in each one of them. And then our boy Jared Candy had another quality start. Seven innings, three hits, one earned run, four strikeouts. If you missed it, go back to last week. We had our Jared Candy banter session drop. I'm uh, going to do some promoting, and a blog should be posted up tomorrow, Wednesday, for it. But Jared Candy, he's he's a dog. I can see him knocking on the Hartford-Yargoats uh, starting pitching door here soon. Do you, either one, chime in. Is Who is the next starting pitcher from Spokane to get called up to Hartford? Is it Jaden Hill, Victor Juarez, Blake Adams, Jared Candy? Who are you looking at? I I think it's got to be Candy.
1: You know, we, you just, you you went through all those guys, and and most of them have had their share of struggles this season. Um, It really has only been Candy, who like week in, week out is like consistent, reliable, uh, you name it. Victor Juarez, a 632 ERA. Um, Carson, it could be Carson Pompeus though too. He's he's running a really really high strikeout Pompos. rate, very consistent. Um, But yeah, when you look at the other guys like Jaden Hill, he's he's staying the year in Spokane unless he really hits a a, a nice corner uh, and builds momentum. Brian Castillo has really struggled. Jared Candy is like the bright spot, lowest yeah. starter ERA on the team. Um, yeah, it's it's been pretty fantastic. He's not going to be a super high K guy, but enough Ks. He limits the walks, just a polished pitcher all around. He's got, he's got an arsenal of four pitches. He commands them. Well, uh, you know, he is a, a, a big time starting pitching prospect at this point. He, he's someone who should get some top 30 recognition. It's been two years of really good performance uh, in, in full season minor league ball. Absolutely. Yeah. I think candy's the pick for
2: the same reason. Um, you know, you said uh, uh, best ERA of a starter. Um, also the best whip, right. Um, limiting walks, limiting, limiting hits. Um, in fact, just, just looking at it, what surprised me to see is that actually the home run rate and the walk rate are not that different between candy and Victor Juarez. The difference is that hits per nine is uh Juarez is getting lit up a little bit, whereas candy is not. Um, but you mentioned Palmquist, you know, I got to see Palmquist live. That was, that was fun. Oh, nice. Um, I need to find a way to get to a few more of these, uh, These games for Spokane, I'm I'm probably about eight hours from Spokane, but I can catch them in the Tri-Cities, which is about five hours away. I went over and caught him in Hillsboro the other day. Um, And Palmquist looked good. I was excited to see uh, what he's got. The nice thing about Palmquist is you can afford to have a little higher walk rate like he does uh, because you're striking guys out. I think his K rate's over 13 right now or something like that. So um, if you put guys on base, uh, if you can erase them at the dish and they don't put the ball in play, then you can get away with that. So, um, no candy, I think probably deserves the promotion first. Um, I'm more optimistic about both Juarez and Palmquist because of that K rate, but
0: we'll see where that goes. Yeah. It's the Palmquist seven strikeouts in his four innings this, this week. And Jerry candy is just a fun story. It's definitely one of our guys going Juco to D2 to top of the high, a high A team starting rotation with names like, names that we just dropped. So huge shout out to Jared Candy, the candy man. And then let's get into it. Um, Yankee L Fernandez got the call up. He had his first week of double A. Was it good? I mean, he had his two dongs. I think he he might have thrown in a double in there. Um, but do man also had 10 strikeouts. I think this is exactly what we kind of expected from him. Uh, we were trying to talk about it last week, what to expect. What do we need from Yankee L to have a successful... Double-A season, um, and it was limiting the strikeouts and continue to hit for power uh, was kind of what Tyler was alluding to. And correct me if I'm wrong, Tyler. But Yankee L. Fernandez is a yard goat. Overall, how are we feeling about Yankee L. in his first week as a goat and then going, going forward?
1: Yeah, wanted to see that
0: strikeout rate. Like he's, he's worked a good – he puts
1: the ball in play a lot. It's a good strikeout rate. I was just worried you're going to see him face the highest level pitching he ever has in his life and that it's going to kind of spike a little into those mid-20s or, or higher. And, and now it'll put a dampener on on his production profile. And as you as you mentioned, 10 strikeouts and 21 plate appearances so far, 47.6 rate. It's a tiny sample, so no reason to, to really panic about it. But it's one of those things that quickly can become representative of, of what he's been as a player uh or what he what he in the in the on the level if he has 100 plate appearances and his strikeout rate is still like 30 we're, we got to get a little concerned that there's going to be more k's than we would have initially expected with the way he performed uh in low a and hyatt where his overall strikeout rate was under 20. so that's been kind of a calling card of his not many guys can can put up big power numbers and run a low k rate that's that's a pretty rare combo to have and he's someone that that could that could just really carry him through through the minors and into the big leagues so hoping to see that continue um needs to turn things around after
2: kind of a a tricky week yeah but if you're gonna strike out 47 percent of the time (laughs) you better hit some dingers right and and he did and so um the power translated to double a man. Love to see that. Um, Like you said, it's a small sample size Um, for a person who harps on the strikeout rate a lot. I'm not anywhere close to being worried about that. I think, uh, you know, you take a guy, you you promote him to the next level higher. He's amped up, you know, and, and, and he's one to show what he's got. He's trying to prove his worth to that new team. Um, He's swinging from his heels, even that, uh, home run he hit the other day off of that changeup. You could see that swing started early and he kind of had to clutch it back and, and make sure that it still uh, came through the zone and then he smashed it into right field. Yankiel um, Kiel is a guy who I was not as high on until I watched him. Um, when, when I saw Spokane play against Hillsborough the other day, you know, I know it's cliche and I know everybody says it, but it just sounds different. I mean, when he strikes the ball, it's a rocket. Um, I wish we had exit velocities, uh, for, for his level, because I, I would have been interested to see, I, I guarantee you that of the four hits I saw him put up in, uh, in Hillsboro, um, they were all over hundred miles per hour. And, uh, one of them was to the opposite field, which you love to see that too. It's not just straight pole pop. The guy can hit bullets. Um, optimistically, I see him compare sometimes to Jordan Alvarez. Jordan's one of my favorite players. That's not going to happen. I think Rockies fans just need to temper their expectations. He's not going to be Jordan Alvarez, um, which is there's no slight in saying he's not going to be one of no, the three best hitters in major league baseball. Right. Um, and the reason why is because of the walk rate. Yankiel never going to be a guy with a great walk rate. That's that's not in his uh, profile. Jordan is, a, is an on-base guy who can also mash Um so that's why I think you guys are nailing it. That's why that K rate Tyler mentioned. That's why it is so important. If you're not going to walk a ton, you can't afford to give up a bunch of at-bats and plate appearances with those strikeouts. So that's what's uh, worth watching. You know, as we keep watching the in double-A, does that K rate start to dip? And if I remember right, this is just off the cuff, but I, he started the season uh, for that little sample in Fresno and then yeah. went up to Spokane and didn't look great, if you remember. And 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 I think some of that just is him getting some traction. Um, and I expect that's what we'll see. I think we'll probably see that K rate settle back down um, if he can keep it under twenty five with the same kind of
0: power he's been showing.
2: Yeah, he's he's gonna be just fine.
0: Yeah. So the threshold's twenty five for a guy like this. Is that kind that's, of your? That's my magic number.
2: Yeah, that's it. That's <laughs> yeah, it right there for me.
0: Yeah. And I know, I know Tyler's around there somewhere too. But it's 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 huge. And looking at his numbers, he had six RBIs and they weren't all off his home runs. He had what do you have? Uh, a solo shot in in the in the one game, and then he had a two run bomb the other. But then he still had one RBI and two RBIs on back to back games there too. So they're not just coming off the off the homers. They're productive at bats. And dude, man, his first at bat uh for Hartford was eight, nine pitches. Uh ended up striking out, but you, he worked the count, and he looked he looked like he was able to start seeing the ball and cool. So Yankee Fernandez is now a top MLB.com, uh, top 100 list, 97. He's a new face, as they like to say in their blog there. Um, th- let's talk about the other two. We've already kind of talked about each one of them. Um, Amador, number 26, number one in the Rockies' uh, top 30. And then Zach Veen dropped 46 spots from 28 to 74. And then Yankee Al-Fernandez has joined the ranks. Uh, Jerome, uh fell off at the beginning of this year. Uh, I think there was Benny Montgomery, I think, was in there at one point, or maybe that was BA. Uh, what we, how do we feel? Like the Rockies have their best farm system in a hot minute, right? They've been ranked around the middle 15. Uh, we had four or five at the end of last year in the top 100, and now we're kind of at these three with Romo kind of on the cusp there. Overall, with these new... New numbers, these new rankings coming up. Does that give you a sense of hope, or knowing what we knew this time last year is kind of a drag? Like, what does this new ranking kind of make you all feel? To me, it's confirming what what I you know what I feel like we've known. Um, there's a few things
2: that none of this surprises me. I guess you could say Yankiel was a guy I was excited about to a degree last year. Like I said, I got more excited once I saw him actually play. There was five guys in Fresno last year that I had uh, high hopes for Um Yankiel being one of them, Ariel Amador being the top one of them. Um, we've mentioned him before, but Juan Brito being one of those guys um, traded for Nolan Jones. Um, Juan Guerrero uh, kind of a poor man's Juan Brito, if that makes any sense. Um, <laughs> I, 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 he's, he's still intriguing to me. There's, there still seems to be some Something untapped there. upside there. Um, and warming uh, Bernabeu, which, uh, you know, he, he's had a rough go this year. There's been some injury issues, other things like that there for him, too. Um, little disappointed. I, I guess you could say this. At the start of the year, if you could have fast-forwarded to now, I would have said, man, I want to see warming Bernabeu on there. I would have liked to have seen him have a better go uh, to start off at AA. Um, But, man, it's great seeing Yankiel crack that list. Uh, um, Amador has kind of caught public attention here more and more recently. You see a lot more people – um, tweeting about him, um, you know, I, I think this is uh, more or less where you hope to see things. And as far as being goes, I've never been as high on being as a lot of, um, you know, the, the, the scouting guys, the prospect guys, Rocky's Twitter. I'm definitely not as high on being as a lot of people are that being said to me, it's a, it's just a pun. It's a do over. I mean, no one that he's been hurt for as long as he's been hurt. Um, you know, I, I'm willing just to say, nah, you know, Leave Veen in that top 100, and we don't have any idea. I, I think there's still a giant question mark. The best we have off of Veen is is where he was in Spokane before this uh, wrist injury started flaring up. So, no, I, I think that there's there's still reason to be optimistic. You just got to keep in mind, they're not all going to make it. You know, that's yeah. how prospect lists work. The guys, double uh, A is, I think, the toughest level to leap to the, the high A to double A. Um, it's not surprising to see guys struggle when they start facing probably the best arms in the minors, you know, triple A tends to be kind of a, a holding tank for major league depth for arms, especially. So double A is where you're seeing the nasty guys.
0: Yeah, completely agree. It's the injuries have kind of hurt these, these guys on the top 100. I, I, I was big on warning going into the season too. And then who Carreras getting the 40 man nod from the Rockies are like, all right, maybe he can knock on the door, but he's been battling injuries. You had Hunter Goodman, who I thought maybe might be on that fringe there too, but he's kind of coming back. To, he's having his regression weeks right now happening up in Hartford too. So you had these guys that were like, all right, they're there, but they just haven't made that bump due to whatever reasons. Um, the And it, if Zach Veen turns into an everyday solid 800 OPS player for the Rockies, that's a win. And I think that needs to kind of be kept in perspective. Like we're not – Jordan Alvarez would be fantastic out of Yankel Fernandez, <laughs> but there's only one Jordan Alvarez and there's very few people on this threshold, this top peak. And we've been lucky enough to see it with some of these guys like Trevor Story, Nolan Arenado. You can go to Tulewitzki, to Matt Holiday there for a few years. Like we saw these peak guys at their peak. But you still had your Brad Hops, you still had your surrounding cast. Shoot, I'm throwing Clint Barmas up in there. You had these guys, Zach Bean will be better than Clint Barmas. But you have these role players, these guys that are good and will be good, and it's completely okay if they go ten years of eight hundred OPS playing right field the entire time. Like like if Zach Bean is Chuck nasty, we're happy, right? Like there's Yeah, but good. that being I'm, said, I'm let me
2: bad. let me let me throw this in there. You know, bookmark this one, I guess. Um, Amador has the potential to be the superstar, though. And, and that's that's what's so exciting about him. I mean, you are talking about right now an elite walk rate, an elite K rate. The power has been coming on. Um, you know, worst case scenario, he's going to be a very, a very solid guy if he can maintain the walks in the case. Forget the power. Um, if he keeps growing into some pop, man, you could be talking about something special. You know, Um, you really could. And that's where uh, I get excited about Amador. I really do. Um, And he's another guy I watched play. And it's just uh, he's got a real complete game. Um, Offensively, defensively, he's a hitter. Um, He's got a little bit of pop. He's got some speed. Um, There's a lot of different angles you could see Ariel Amador breaking into superstardom. Now, I'm not saying he will, but I'm saying of those three, especially, I think he's the most likely to.
1: Well, yeah, I can. I'm willing to be to put myself out there and be called an idiot by <laughs> by some people outside of Rocky circles. I I'm so inclined to put him in the same sentence as Wander Franco. Like I see so many similarities. I think Wander Franco is the the older brother, like the slightly you know more more ahead, maybe a little more advanced in, in the in in the hit department in some other ways. But I just see a very similar ceiling and the floor, not too far off. Uh, when, when Franco was, was I think, 19 and high, a. I, there's a lot of similarities there. And, and Wander Franco is now one of the top players in, in baseball. Uh, so I, I don't think they're unrealistic expectations. Again, double A is, is really where you can set realistic and, and accurate expectations. But he's someone we, we were hoping 25 on, on the top 100 list. So to see him basically crack that. I mean, he'll be be—he'll probably finish the year at 22, 21 when some guys graduate. Um, and, and yeah, definitely the biggest superstar potential I think we've seen in the system for,
2: uh, I mean. Long time. The part yeah, and, and let me last say this years. on that same note. Yeah. On that exactly. same note, um, I've seen a few guys, and maybe even maybe even on one of your threads, I've seen a few guys tweet and ask the question, okay, but what do you do with Rodgers yeah, and Tovar? Just going to um, ask that. The answer to that for me is I don't care. <laughs> you, don't, you don't worry about it um, If Amador is what I think he can be uh, He's number one out of those three and, and, I, and I know that sounds like high praise But right now, for where I see his ceiling go, His ceiling is higher than Tovar's or Rodgers um, You find a place for him you, know? um, you, you, you find a place to get him in the lineup You move guys around, you do what you gotta do I would hate to see Amador be the guy who gets shopped. That would gut me I, yeah. I would so much rather see another, you know, if you're going to deal from one of those guys, um, you know, deal Rogers or, or, or even Tobar. Um, although again, you, you, I'd love to see a middle infield of Tovar and Amador here in two years time. I mean, that would, that would be exciting. And I think that the potential for those two um, would be high. Um, anyway, that's, you don't worry about things like that. You know, when, when you say, Related to that is when you see people say, well, they traded Juan Brito because they didn't need that position. They've got Amador. They've got Tobar. They've got Rogers. Uh, You don't worry about depth when a guy's in double a, you don't, I mean, you you cultivate the best players you've got. You worry about what position they're going to play later. Um, I would much rather deal from a position of, of strength um, than, than feeling like these guys are locked in. You can't assume that the middle infield for Colorado is locked up.
0: Right. And I think, you have to think Amador is that future piece, especially when you get rid of Brito. Like they, they had definitely had to choose, like, or maybe Cle- maybe Cleveland chose for him, right? Like, yo, we want Nolan Jones. We've been watching him since he was seventeen, and blah blah blah. But uh, Cleveland wanting Brito or Amador had to have been a thing to think about. Or the Rockies, are like, yo, we kind of we're really high on Amador. He's kind of off limits, so you can maybe take one of these: Julio, uh, Brito. Tovar any of these and I, I'm echoing What you just said you don't worry about that Right now I mean Amador is yes. not Amador is not playing until the End of 2024 in purple Realistically he's opening The season in 25 or even in the Middle of 2025 you don't worry about that Right now I would love again I'm on Amador Tovar up the middle all day every Day you figure out what to do with Brendan Like that's two years down the road right is he Moving to the corner is he a DH like what do you Kind of where do you fit it all in and you see it with Nolan Jones. He has that versatility where Nolan Jones is finding ways to be in the lineup, whether it's at first, third, right field, whatever. You you don't worry about that now. And you can, when the time is to figure it out, and when somebody's knocking and the, the pressure's on you to move somebody to figure it out, that's when you kind of start start turning the wheels to figure out what this looks like. But right now you're hoping Amador is making those adjustments, doing what he needs to, and when he gets to Hartford, he just dominates that the way Tovar did last year, and he's ready for that next step.
2: Let, let me throw a, a, just a, an illustration and a comp out there to kind of prove that. You look at the Reds right now, right? I mean, they went overnight from being yeah. a, the you know a terrible team that last year everybody was making fun of. All of a the sudden, they have this insane wealth especially in the middle infield. They've got Jonathan India at second. They've got Ellie De La Cruz. They've got Matt uh, McLean, who's who's playing well. Their best prospect is Noel B. Marte, who they got in the Luis Castillo deal from Seattle. Their middle infield is four deep for two positions. Um, yeah. And I don't think they regret that whatsoever. You know, I mean, all, all that does is it puts them in a position where they can choose which guy they like the least and they can package him for something else. Um, that seems going to be, it's going to be strong for a while. I don't think... I think we're seeing the start of what could really be a red stranglehold on the central because uh, they didn't worry about being redundant at positions in the minor leagues. Yeah, absolutely. And and why not? And, and you never
1: like to mess with a guy's rhythm. Like I think there is some uh, legitimacy to like a guy having his defensive home and that translating to him just feeling comfortable in, in you know, in the batter's box. Uh, but why not toss Amador into center field and have him get some reps there? So when he's in the big leagues, he can start there, you know, 10, 20, 30 times a year, and you figure out the rest of of the the stuff. Because you look at a team like the Rays, and I haven't checked this year, but in the past, they're always shift like shifting guys all around, uh, you know, especially with platoons and things like that. So Amador can play maybe some center, some second short when needed. Rogers hopefully picks up some third. Like you, you have to yeah, think about it as like, where can these guys play so that we can put them all in the lineup and, and you, you kind of take them out of their, their norm.
0: We say this now and we're like, yeah, it's a good problem to have. But then as soon as Amador doesn't start getting playing time in 2025, we're all going to be clamoring out the door and <laughs> getting mad at buddy and because buddy's still going to be managing in 2025 <laughs> and we're going to be upset that these young guys aren't getting the time the playing time but it's amador is that type of guy he was going to get the tovar leash right like tovar has been the starting shortstop since day one buddy's been on that billy schmidt and company have been on that even mr dick monfort have been on that like it's it's been tovar or bust Amador has that same trajectory right now. And I think if that continues, I think we're looking at what do we do with B-Rod in two or three years. Again, all stipulations. We, we're just people that have a platform that don't know what we're talking about. But it's fun to talk about. We, we are bantering. That's what this is all about. Um, but look at a
2: guy in, uh, it, it just reminds me, Mookie Betts this year has yep. been playing games at shortstop and second base. Um, he came up as a second baseman. He was converted to a right fielder. We think of Mookie Betts as a right fielder. The guy can play. It doesn't matter where yep. you put him. He could be a shortstop. You know, the Dodgers have realized in a lot of uh, situations, they're better off putting Mookie at short. Um, I, th- You know, yeah. if a guy can hit and if a guy can play, you'll find a place to play him. And, and I think that that's going to be true. Of um, I love the idea of center field. I, love I mean, I think, I don't think for the record, I don't think the Rockies have their future center fielder uh, on the roster right now.
0: All right, heard it here first. Luke's not big on Jordan Beck. All right, <laughs> that <laughs> um, was a Brenton uh, Doyle comment. Brenton Doyle, yeah, I, prospect, prospect mind, but yeah, Brenton Doyle, yeah, we can probably pinpoint where and why you don't feel that too comfortable about that. Uh, I want to get into some rocky stock. Let's let's lean into it in it here, and we'll go a little bit long. It's fine. Uh, rocky stuff. So they made a trade. So over under is one at one and a half. I think Tyler maybe. You did we meet it because we traded to the Phillies cash for Jamari Baylor? Does that count as a Rockies trade or is that a an affiliate a minor league trade? I mean, I, I think that counts because really back in the Bradish era, and I think a lot of people were still
1: kind of stuck in that he wouldn't even make minor league deals in season. Like it was right. like maybe like one or two in the off season, and then in season maybe you get one trade or it'd be crazy to get two. Bill Schmidt is going to make five or six trades a year, and like at least. I, I, I don't know. I, I can't even keep track of the moves we've made this year. There's been a few, though. Like, he's made yeah. – he's already hit two trades, if not three. I'm, I can't think of it off the top of my head. I feel like there's one in there, too. Yeah, uh, have been done.
0: But definitely those two. Jamari for Cash and then – or Cash for Jamari. And then we added – we lost the mm-hmm. moves for Evan Skoyak, which is just a fun name. You kind of put a thread out there. Uh, slow guy, uh, mid-90s fastball with run and a slider. Of uh, Rockies profile. Like, if you're going to trade for a pitcher, this is the profile you're looking for. Um, but kind of funny, like, right? Like, we saw Moose switch dugouts in Colorado. Van Skoyak did the same thing up in, I think, was it Tri Cities? I don't Tri-Cities. think that's right. Yeah, no, Tri Cities. Right. Tri Cities, he did the same thing and he walked right across the field to the Spokane <laughs> dugout. So you saw it in both sides, that good Homer meme. Uh, don't know. I think it's just a death piece. The Rockies starting pitching across the minors has been throttled with injuries. We still haven't seen Nick Bush. We see guys like Joe Rock in case going back on the developmental list. Uh, just it's, it's hurting right now. So we'll see what, what that plays out too. We won't get into it very much right now, just because short on time, but maybe we can get into it next week. Um, Saturday night. So there's this whole Rockies discourse. We're kind of talking about it off course. Maybe this is where we end it. Um, it's always fun because we knew the Rockies were bad, right? And we we know the Rockies are pushing for 100 hundred, hundred losses and that's just reality. It's just that's the way this team is. Injuries have helped it, granted, and that the kids have are part of it, learning process, blah 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 blah. But we lost what I don't even I honestly don't even remember the final score. Was it 23-1? 25-1? 25. Yeah, yeah 25. 25. 25 to 1. Britton Doyle, you're welcome. Um hit <laughs> <laughs> that shutout, but we lost this or we won the series, but were outscored by 20 runs which is insane in its own right but what does does this move the needle at all as far as the front office and we're not getting into sell the team thing we know that rockies aren't going to sell the team you're not an idiot tyler you're not an idiot i'm not an idiot we we know that dick monfort is not going to sell the team okay so we're, we're skipping past that but does this do anything to billy and company anything to front office and company like you just lost that bad in at home is this moving the needle one way or the other I think it already did
2: I think uh I think you know whether did. that yeah. was a result of that or not I think um Moustakis being moved is is a move of the needle right I mean it's the Mustakis deal is is a great deal and and um with all due respect to Van Stoyak I don't not because of anything he brings to the table it uh, you know you move Mustakis because you need to start giving more at bats uh to the younger guys um, I, th- I think moving Moustakis was a concession that, yeah, okay, it's it's time to um, plan for the future a little more. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it already did move the needle. Now, you know, is it going to be groundbreaking? No, these things happen. You know, shout out to Drew Kreisman. He had a tweet out there that said something along the lines of, of just how one outlier game a lot of times gets way too much attention. Um, yes. You know, I've had people living out here in the middle of nowhere, Oregon, who in the last two days have said, oh, man, what about those Rockies on Saturday? Um, they could not tell me three Rockies. I don't think they could uh, uh, tell me anybody on the team. Um, and they uh, they couldn't tell me who won that series. I don't think they're even aware. You know, it's the exactly. kind of thing that it's, it's shocking. You see that number um, 24 to 0, I think, in the fourth inning, uh, which is – horrifyingly amazing um I, I was i was you know hoping for more honestly um yeah it was kind of like watching uh, the train wreck a car accident but yeah let's just, hey, let's, let's just say let's just get happened. it crazy let's just get it nasty <laughs> um but no i mean as as these things need to be taken in perspective as far as moving the needle in a major way no but i think in a minor way yeah i think it does i think it's it's a good benchmark to say okay yeah it's 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 white flag on 2023 officially time
0: I've, I've, I have the same vibes. It's the, it's more of the moose trade than the, the giant loss, right? It's like, okay, so they made a trade not near the deadline, in the middle of June, with everything that's happening. So maybe this is the, the push that, all right, maybe Billy is kind of recognizing and seeing it. It's just, I don't, know. <laughs> I don't know. I, it's just Rockies fans. Like you said, I, I had three texts in my group like, oh, what about those Rockies? Do you see that? Yeah, I'm watching. It's, it's terrible, but. Where were you at all? Like, you just you just know I'm connected with the Rockies and UCS 4. Nobody's doing that about Florida versus LSU. Nobody's doing that the next day. Nobody's talking about that. Uh, it's just something, it's a curse on the purple or something. But, and then you see all the pundits or the fans, you see sellout crowds at Coors, and this is why we can't get anything nice, blah, blah, blah. And the whole th- idea, it's just, it's, it's just stupid. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just saying that. It's just I, hopefully this moose trade is something that opens the door. I don't know what you get for a hitting herald. I don't know what you get for CJ Krohn. I think CJ Crone is playing out his contract. and We kind of talked about it. Tyler, do you think Profar is getting shipped out anywhere? Um, how are you feeling about all this? I mean, I, I,
1: well, first, I just wanted to note, Rockies going into that Angels series had lost 14 of 17. They had a six-game losing streak. They, they followed that up with a three-game winning streak and then proceeded to lose eight more games in a row. So that's really what triggered the Moose deal. I bet coming into that series, there had been talks. It, the foundation for that was, was laid, and and they pulled the trigger after that game. And I, I don't know if it had to do with the score or not. I think it might have happened regardless. And it, right. it was everything leading into the series that the Rockies were kind of being bludgeoned for a month now. Um, in terms of pro-far, there's a chance. I mean, teams know he's a veteran. He's capable. He's a big league level player, although maybe at this point a, a well below, like average one. Um, so, it, it's tough. I think there might be some some truthers, some some supporters of his game out there, but overall, it's been so bad. And and like we said coming into this off air, he you can't really hide him anymore defensively. Like, and he's not good enough offensively to DH. So. Someone might bite and, and want maybe some of the contract paid off in case they want to just DFM if it doesn't work out and you don't get, like, a prospect return. I, th- I think that's a, a long way of saying it'd be really hard to move him, and, and it's possible, but he'd have to have a really hot July leading into the deadline, and then maybe someone bites and you get a really unimpressive return.
2: Yeah, and Aaron, a name you didn't even say that I think is more likely than Profar is Gritchik. I think, yep. you know, Gritchick is on an expiring deal. And I think uh, right now, if, if I'm an outside team who needs a good, you know, fourth outfield or maybe even a, a, a corner option, who could play center field in a pinch, Gritchick is a he's got some appeal.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he's definitely on that next list. He's definitely at the top of the trade list. So of all those names, over-unders at two-and-a-half between now and July thir- 31st. Ooh. Rockies trading anybody on the current active roster? Uh, throw in the IL current roster, uh, 40 man roster. How many trades? How many players are leaving the Colorado Rockies over, under two and a half? What's your pick? Why? And what is your actual number if you're going over or under? I'll go, I'll, I'll take go the under. under. <laughs> Yeah, under you're going under too after uh, everything we just said. Yeah, this is the needle moving. This is it. And no, we're still not doing. We're doing two you know, trades at most.
2: I'm gonna I'm gonna say they're gonna do two trades, and and uh, that's still a remarkable improvement from the past couple seasons. And uh, uh, I think I think Grichik gets moved. I'll, I'll go ahead and say that I think he is a guy that that is a good candidate for it. And uh, let's just say Brad Hand.
0: Yeah. I feel like there's a few arm, barn, arms that get moved also. That's why I'm going over. I'm, I'm taking the over, and then we'll end with you, Tyler McCall we'll today. I'm going the over. I'm thinking three or four. I think like a Brett Suter, uh, Brad Hands. There's a few an, hand, arms out there that could be moved. I could possibly see a Justin Lawrence being shipped. Um, I just I think there's some value there for a contending team. Maybe. I know Rockies fans probably don't like to hear that. I just could be a thing. And then there's definitely a bat that moves. Uh, I would love it to be Chrome, but he's not getting moved. I think Gritschek is the guy that goes. I would love for puffar to get somewhere, go somewhere. Hidden Harold, I think, is going to be DFA'd by the end of July. I think I'm, I'm going three. One three, three trades, and two of them being arm-barring arms. Going out there. Yeah,
1: I, I think Suter and Hand are both really realistic options. And I, I could see both of them, but the Rockies going from no trades... To, I just don't see them gutting the roster, and I know it wouldn't really be gutting the roster, but I have a hard time seeing them trade two of their most dependable relievers and a bat. I think it'll be a bat and a reliever, Gritchick, and and probably Hand or Suter, and that's going to be your two trades at the deadline.
0: Okay, so how many extensions are given out in the next month? <laughs> I, Elias Diaz. Elias Diaz, <laughs> a Brad Hand extension. I could see I could see them pulling the trigger and maybe
1: they're just not gonna negotiate in season, but Ezekiel Tovar is someone who if they're wondering. smart, they're gonna get ahead on an extension and try to get them below market value.
0: Yeah. I, I'm I'm feeling a Wander Franco uh we talked about him earlier. Wanda Franco deal for Ezekiel Tovar coming in. Um but the the D backs did with Corbin Carroll too, right? Was it Carroll that got the crazy extension? I, I, th- I think he
1: just did. Yeah. I
0: think he got like that 10, 12 year before the season started too. like, why not? Ezekiel's been playing well. He's, he's got it. So, uh, and then just to note, Rocky's attendance is down 10% this season. I mean, if anything moves the needle, it might be attendance. That's and that's what the, that's what the, the fans like to hear. Um, I think that's it. Noah Davis, Nick Mears and Michael Tolia are officially on the Rockies roster. Going forward, uh, starting today, they are off tonight, um, as are the minor league affiliates. I feel like the Isotopes have two days off. I don't think the Isotopes are playing tomorrow either. Um, So if you need to get your fix, tune in Tuesday. You'll see it on MLB TV as always. Go see our guys. I mean, by this time, you can find somebody on a roster that we've talked to. Mine's Fresno. We don't have any guys on Fresno. We need to fix that, Tyler. Um, (laughs) So you can find somebody. Go listen to the banter session and root for them and get to know their story. If you haven't listened to Jerry Candy, go hear his story. Man, has it's incredible. Throwing 92 as an 18 year old on the only going Juco in his hometown team to where he is now is just absolutely nuts. Um, so, just shameless plug there. Go follow Luke on the Twitter sphere, Oak Tree Status. Um, all the numbers, all the stats, and all the fun wittiness. Tyler. Oh, that's what we're going to end it with, Tyler. Give us something about college draft. We are less than two weeks away, right? I think 16 days, no, 12 days, somewhere around there. Um, Tyler, yeah. send us off with something, something draft, draft-esque. I don't know. Give me um, something.
1: I, you know, I'll, it'll be a Patrick Lyon seed that was planted, and it's Bryce Eldridge. That's just that's all I'm going to say. Six foot seven, 223 pounds. Bill Schmidt said he spent a lot of time watching him. Oh, God. I don't even know if they have a plan <laughs> for him, but he, because he, he pitches and hits, but I just think I'm getting some, some feelings there.
0: Okay. You heard it here first. Six, seven wiry guy going to the Rockies at number nine.
1: Yes. Yes. I think so.
0: Oh, man. All right. (laughs) In it the best way we can as a Rockies podcast. As always, go Rocks and the minor league affiliates. Woo! Thank you for watching and listening. Please check out our link tree for more content.